Welcome to the CLS Experience. I'm your host, Craig Siegel. I'm a born and raised New Yorker who achieved success with multiple businesses, but I crave something deeper. So I dedicated myself to personal growth and transformation by revamping my mindset. I went from being unable to run a mile to conquering four marathons the following year. Now, I want to help others manufacture big breakthroughs of their own. The human brain, um, the number one motivator for the brain is the avoidance of discomfort. So uh, that's what kept us alive on the planet as long as it has. We don't fall off a cliff. We don't freeze out in the cold. We avoid discomfort to keep us alive. And it's antiquated. We don't need that anymore. We're in living rooms now. We got Netflix, right? There's not a lion at our bed when we wake up in the morning. So uh, we need to actually be uncomfortable to grow, to become anti-fragile. We are learning helplessness in this in this current state, certainly in the first world. So um, got to get out there and push. Yeah. Drive to grow, to be better. On today's episode of the CLS Experience, we have a very special treat. He's the creator, founder, and the pulse behind the iconic Spartan Race phenomenon. He's the definition of being mentally tough. He's one of the baddest entrepreneurs and endurance athletes on the planet, possessing an abundance of grit, heart, and that rare, maniacal drive. He's a New York Times bestselling author of one of my personal favorite books, Spartan Up. His impact has initiated a worldwide ripple effect. He's just an overall juggernaut in all facets of life and a terrific human being. Please welcome the iconic Joe DeSena. How you doing, Joe? Oh, my God. You made me feel like uh, my wife doesn't even talk to me. I listen to that. I'm like, man, I'm a superstar. You are a superstar. There we go. And also, I want to just let you know, when I read your book back in 2017, I needed it at a time in my life where I needed to hear the stuff that you were talking about. It's your mentality. And I took a lot of notes from your book and often I'll go back to it and just read some of the excerpts. And I just wanted to read to you in front of you and to the audience, some of the excerpts that I got from your book, just to show how badass and influential you've been. Tell the truth though. Did you really read the book? Come on. To be honest with you, I read the book before each marathon that I ran and I ran four last year. So I've read your book about five times. How did you find the book? I'm not 100% sure. I was just in a place in my life at that time where I needed something badass and I needed an outlet. And, and somehow I popped into your book at the right time because of everything that you spoke about in there. It's awesome. All right, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Challenging yourself to accomplish more than you know you, you can helps you show what you're capable of. It creates a new frame of reference, one you can draw upon in the face of other things that are perceived as being tough in your life. It shows you possibilities you didn't know existed. You have to be able to do the time. When you sign up for something, you're forced to train for it. Just like in a business or having a kid, you're forced to take care of it. All of a sudden, you become accountable. Sounds better than I remember. I, I, so changing your frame of reference, right? That's everything. That's everything. And, and you know, I grew up in a, in a crazy neighborhood in Queens. And uh, a lot of people would go away. And they would go away for, you know, a decade or 15 years, 25 years. And you do something like that, you just appreciate everything when you get home, right? You appreciate, like, the little things you didn't even notice before. So on a much smaller scale, 
when I would do these crazy races, I you just want to die when you're out there. I'd be out there for 10, 15 days. You're out of food. You're freezing. You get home and, you know, the, the little things no longer annoy you because you're so appreciative. You have so much gratitude towards, like, a glass of water, a bed. So... You, you. I guess you picked it up in the book. Yeah, and also like recently, I've been doing some fasting, just experimenting with that. And it's like once I break the fast, like just having a meal prep, which you know used to be boring, now is like the most exciting thing because I'm just grateful for a meal. And it's like you said, and also like beating the shit out of yourself first thing in the morning, so that the rest of your day, like you already have an edge. Like it's only uphill from there. So all this stuff, like yeah, I know a lot of the stuff we talk about is on races and obstacles and stuff like that, but it's such a metaphor for life. That frame of reference. How bad are things? really once you've been through hell you gotta go through hell every day every morning that's it and i'll read the last excerpt start your day in hell if you start your day involuntarily suffering everything that comes afterwards is just a relief i'll I'll tell you that i just want to say this this is the one line that really got me to start running marathons and all that stuff a fire burns within all of us and we need an outlet to prove that we've got the fighting spirit that really landed with me specifically. Awesome. And I got you running. Yeah, you did. I always lifted weights. That was my thing for like 20 years. Not like a professional or anything. That's just me in the gym. After I read your book, I went for a run. I was humbled because I had trouble running a mile without stopping. And then it occurred to me that did I really have trouble or was it my perception of effort? Next thing you know, I'm signed up for the New York City Marathon four months later. And then I ended up running four marathons that year. And I PR'd at 339 in Philly last November. So that was super cool. And now I'm signed up for Chicago. Congrats. I love it. I, I love appreciate it. it. And we got to get you out to a Spartan. Hey, that's Charlie. Charlie. That's hello. next. Charlie, what's up, buddy? I'm Craig. How are you? Hey, hello to Craig. So Charlie. Is who- this the wrestler? Charlie's a wrestler. Charlie's 13. And Charlie ran the New York Marathon when he was seven. Did you? Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Now you're making me feel small. I didn't even know that was possible. No, so it's not. It's not possible. We but stopped like eight times. We stopped eight times. We stopped. Check this out. We stopped in, um, in Brooklyn for bagels. Yeah. Right? We stopped in Queens for pizza. We stopped in... Um, where were we? In the Bronx? I would come, coming over that bridge there, mile 18, there's a white castle. We hit White Castle. We went over <laughs> that bridge. Upper East Side, we had Hagen Das. Oof. Yeah. It was like, it was like almost like being at Epcot Center for the day. <laughs> That's great. Good. I heard great things about you with the wrestling. Keep up the great work, Chant. Say thank you. Thank you. Charlie's also the one, he might be in that book. He was probably four or five. I had him swim a mile with a life jacket on. Of course you did. And a lady, (laughs) a lady on her dock came out on a little kayak and she started like screaming at me and get him out of the water. The sun's going down. And I was like, Charlie, come on. We're five minutes from greatness. We got to make it to the shore. (laughs) We were fighting over my son. It was pretty funny. That's awesome. Before we get a little deep, because I know obviously the audience wants to hear about the journey, we're going to get a little weird. I'm going to ask you some fun questions. You ready for me? Do it. What's your superpower, Joe? Motivating other people. Love it. Describe yourself in three words. Describe myself in three words. Energy, energized, energized, motivated is the same word. Um, relentless 
Yes. Happy. Energized, relentless, happy. That's great. And you are relentless. I am relentless. What's something very interesting about you that a lot of people probably wouldn't know? I love my daughters. And um, I miss my mom. Fair enough. What makes you feel most alive, Joe? My eyes open in the morning. (laughs) When I open my eyes in the morning, I feel alive. Living in that state of gratitude, I absolutely love it. When did you officially become Joe 2.0? Joe 2.0 was born mid-late 90s when, uh, when he found adventure racing and all this crazy shit. And that will bring it back. I know you said earlier in the conversation you grew up in Queens and you kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit from a young age when you were cleaning pools for some of the wise guys in the neighborhood, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Used to clean swimming pools for them. Um, my neighbor was uh, head of a Bernardo organized crime family and he took me in under his wing, my preteens, and uh, meet, meet him there on a Saturday morning. He's going to pay me $35 to clean the pool and he gave me three life lef- lessons that morning. He said, uh, I had to be there at 8 a.m. He said, our time is late. He said, if you're going to be here at 8, you better be here at 7.45. Um, He said, if you're going to do the job, you got to go above and beyond. Don't just clean the pool, straighten up the lawn furniture, go in the shed, straighten up the shed, even though I'm not paying you for that. And third thing, don't ever ask for money. You'll get paid if you do a good job. And those lessons stuck with me for life. Love that. That's deep. I just hit home. I know what you're thinking. Can one cultivate a bulletproof mindset or do they have to be born with it? The answer is as follows. We create our own reality. Want to develop and acquire the mindset techniques to completely revamp your mind, alter your perspective, see opportunities where you want to limitations, tap into all your potential and cultivate confidence on command? CLS Universe. I bring to you for the first time ever, once in a lifetime, the entire Moonshot Masterpiece Experience online course, jam-packed with all the tools and strategies I use to launch CLS into another stratosphere, filled with modules, worksheets, how to tangibly transform into the 2.0 version of yourself and display your gifts to the world. Very simple, go to CultivateLastingSymphony.com, tap programs, and then bang! Begin your moonshot today. Let's stop acting like we're going to live twice. Thank me later. You dig? And then you ended up turning that into a pretty successful business, right? Sold that business in 95. Sold that business in 95. It was a big business and went to Wall Street. I took 10 steps backwards, took a $35,000 a year salary on Wall Street, found myself crying one day on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, couldn't do the math quick enough, was trying to answer seven phones at once, couldn't believe that I went from big man on campus to like nothing on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange in a tiny little tiny little corner of a space. And, um, and sometimes you got to take 10 steps backwards to take a big step forward. Yeah. And before that, you said relentless, correct me if I'm wrong, you applied to Cornell four times. I did. And on the fourth time, I finally got in. I, um, I, was, I was graduating high school. I had no intention of going to college. A friend of mine in Ithaca, New York, my parents were divorced. 
my mother wanted to get me out of the neighborhood just to Ithaca, New York, where Cornell is. Otherwise, I wouldn't have even known what Cornell what Cornell was. And um, my friend says, "Come on, let's go. Let's let's apply to university." There was three months before we graduated high school. I said, "How would we do that?" Because my grades weren't good. And he said, "Well, my father's a professor. He'll get us in." So that made sense to me coming from the neighborhood I came from. Oh, we got a, we got an in. We got a guy, and uh, we both applied. We did our interviews, and neither of us got in. But now I was interested. Now I wanted to go. So I found out you can go um, extramurally. So you're not official. You can take three classes while the other kids that got in officially are taking five classes. So you'll be six credits short every semester. But if you if we do well, we could we could say, listen, we did well. You got to let us in. Forget about our SAT scores. Forget about how we did in high school. Look, we're, we're, we're handling the workload. So we did it. I crushed it. But they didn't accept me. And um, and so my buddy, taking the easy route, he decided to pack it and he went to University of Las Vegas. He left. And I said, fuck it, I'll stay. I'll do it again. At some point, they'll let me in. I did it again. They said no. I did it again. They said no. And on the fourth time, they broke me. And I was, I was going to leave. I was going to go to New York and just run my business, which was doing very well. There was no need for me to go to college. Clearly, I wasn't, I wasn't made for college. I'm around all these kids. I'm falling behind with my credits. And my mother says to me, who teaches yoga for a living, I want you to meet this lady, Anita Racine, Professor Racine. I teach her yoga. She might be able to help you at Cornell. And I said, oh, that's ridiculous, Mom. You know, a woman does yoga. She's not going to be able to help me. Yeah. <laughs> I sit down with Anita, Professor Racine, and she says, tell me about yourself. She says, um, you know, Joe, I run this department at Cornell, human ecology, um, you like textiles. And I didn't really know what a textile was, right? And she said, we got 95 women in this textile department. We have no men. We're looking for a little diversity. I said, I love textiles. <laughs> she accepted me into the program. And if I had to look, that, that would be my major. And um, the rest is history. Graduated. Changed my life. Ironically enough, a couple things. But one, I also had 10 years on Wall Street, did the whole thing, you know, the grind and so forth, and got a little burnt out. And then I started my CLSing, which I'm doing now. I started recently in the pandemic and very grateful it's taken off. But another thing I want to touch upon is your mom was big into the yoga and all that stuff for years. And it took you so much longer to finally listen to her in regards to that stuff, right? Oh, my, my, my kids don't listen to me. I, so I get they'll, they'll, 25 years old. Finally, they'll say, oh, dad drove me crazy for 25 years. He was right. But every day it's like white noise. They don't listen. And I didn't listen to her. Uh, she was vegan. She was the yoga, meditation, none of it. But back then, by the way, whoever's listening, watching, um, this was not normal. There was no yoga journal. There was no Whole Foods back then. This, my mother was way out ahead of the curve. So it really was, she was bohemian and crazy and crunchy and a crackpot, right? I, want, I wanted to be a wise guy. <laughs> yeah. And then so Wall Street came. How long did you spend over there? Wall Street came. I, I, um, I sold the business. I went there and I spent, let's see, I, I got there in 95. I officially left completely in 2010. So 15 years. But in wow. I built the business there and I sold it. In 2005, the buyers of my business allowed me to move to Vermont. And I ran, I still handled a few accounts from a farm in Vermont. 
and that's and that's where we started Spartan. We started Spartan on a farm in Vermont while while I was on my spin bike every day trading for clients. You got burnt out. You were just over it, and also you packed on a couple pounds during that time, right? I found a few pounds, was burnt out, and I, I wasn't looking to make a billion dollars. That really wasn't my thing. I, I, like, making anything was more than I ever dreamed of, so I just appreciated it, and um, I wanted to live. You know, I, my mother died at a young age. My father died. I wanted to, I saw those guys go to jail. I wanted to squeeze as much out of this thing as I could. We only get to do this once, not to sound too deep to spiritual. It's not for a long time. I'm going to make every second count. I make every second count. I one shot. And then what happened with the obstacle races or this adventure stuff that you were like, that's, that's where I'm going with this. Well, I was, I was on wall street and I was feeling like I needed, I needed something. I ran into a guy in a stairwell on wall street. The elevator was broken one day and he was carrying dumbbells up the stairs and he was ripped. I mean, he looked great. <laughs> and I start meeting him in the stairwell and I felt good again. You know, I felt alive. I felt like a human should feel. And uh, he got me to do an adventure race and I, I fell in love with it. And so I said, what's harder than this? And he said, wow, a 24 hour adventure race. And sign me up. No, you got to be experienced. Sign me up. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then from 24 hour, I went to five day from five day to 10 day to 15 day. I was just, I was crazy. And in that whole process, I, um, I said, I could do this as a business. This would be an amazing business. So, I started messing around 21 years ago put, while I was still on Wall Street putting on events. But nobody, just like nobody listened to my mom, nobody would listen to me. I used to have to lie to people and say, hey, come up, come out to this you know, farm, this place, this ski resort. Uh, we're going to have a big barbecue. I would even send a bus and get like 40 people. I'd lie to everybody. I, I didn't tell them what we were actually doing. And they'd get there. I'd wake them up at 5 in the morning. Why are we getting up at 5 in the morning on a Saturday for barbecue? Oh, we got to get the barbecue. We got to get the barbecue to the top of the mountain. And, uh, and I would push them, you know, four miles, 10 miles, 13 miles. And they would experience what you and I know is so awesome. And, uh, and then they'd be hooked. But I couldn't, I couldn't get people to pay to do this stuff. I had to lie to them. And then how'd they feel once it was done? They thanked you? Of course. Incredible. Of course. Incredible. Incredible. And then at some point sooner than later, you were all out of the Wall Street stuff. And, and then you started to really build this thing. In 2000 to 2010, it was mostly barbecues and lying. 2010 <laughs> and death race. I put on death race, which was crazy. That, that was a difficult one to, to imagine signing up for something called a death race where you had to sign a waiver that said you may die, right? So I wasn't getting, couldn't really get that business to work. In 2010, after I sold my business, I was completely out of it. I decided it was right after the financial crisis. I said, you know, maybe we'll change the name, call it Spartan make it a little shorter distance, three miles, eight miles, 13 miles, put in some obstacles, make it feel like the military. And um, all of a sudden, 700 people showed up and 1,500 people and 3,000, 5,000, 25,000 people showed up. And uh, now we're in 45 countries, pre-COVID, 45 countries, 325 events a year, one and a half million registrations and a lot of headaches. Understood. Where'd you come up with the name Spartan? 300? I don't know if it was a movie 300 or, you know, we learned it in school, right? That word is so powerful. Less is more. Um, tough, resilient, gritty. Everybody wanted to be a Spartan. A lot of yeah. the militaries were based on 
Spartan principles. I don't know if it was the movie or it was it was something I studied in history, but it was on a sheet of paper of all the choices we made of names, and that was the obvious choice. Yeah, I love it. And you met your wife at a race too. Met my wife at a race. Met her for about twelve seconds, but um, she said something. I didn't have shoes on, and I was walking on rocks. She said, "Oh, you're going to hurt your tootsies." And that would have been a word my mother would have used from her, her side of the family would say, you know, have a word like that. And um, really, really jumped out at me. So plus I was attracted to her. She was gorgeous. And I chased her down. And first date I had her. Um, I said, oh, let's go for a kayak. But she didn't know I wanted to go for like an eight hour kayak. I figured <laughs> I, figured I would um, trap her on the boat. You know, and we talked about everything and paddle and really to the point where she passed out actually so hot it was a boat going by i think they threw us a couple of waters because i used to go do those things with no water no food just to train for the races i would do and um needless to say within within a few weeks literally within a few weeks i proposed to her and uh we were actually we're actually in europe i convinced her to come to europe a few weeks later we were going through monte carlo on the way to visit and i did a race she, she came with me to the race. She didn't participate. And we were traveling through Monte Carlo to go see my friend in France because we were in Europe anyway. And there was a casino, like a uh, James Bond casinos in Monte Carlo, right? 007. That's great. I said, let's go in there. I'm not a gambler, but let's go in there. We'll throw some money on the roulette wheel. And I know, it's probably in the book, I think. If, if we hit red 36, which is my number, we get married on the spot. It's in the book. Yeah. If we hit black eight, your number, you leave. I think zero, green green zero was she gets a tattoo, green double zero, I get a tattoo. Anyway, my number hit. Get married on the spot. Bang. And um, obviously we questioned it. We didn't believe it. We came up with all kinds of excuses to not get married on the spot, but we got married quickly thereafter. And because of the second role, uh, she had to get a tattoo, which I kindly took for her. <laughs> I got a tattoo, I'm married, and I got four kids, all because of that casino. That's it. You wouldn't have it any other way. No. I love it. When you started Spartan, correct me if I'm wrong, obviously I'm a huge fan. I was doing my homework because preparation breeds confidence. There was 800 competitors that were doing stuff like this at that time? Oh, my God. There were so many competitors. Anybody with a screw on a hammer was in the obstacle race business. And it was bad. It was bad for business, right? Because uh, people uh, would collect other you know, customers' money and then not be able to put on the event. And it was very messy, um, bad for the industry. But but you know, then there were six hundred, then there were four hundred, then there were then there were three. Us, Tough Mudder, and some other brand I don't even remember. And um, and then it was just us and Tough Mudder, and we were we were we were fighting each other hard for years. I announced the race and. Wisconsin on a Saturday, they announced the race down the block. Wisconsin on Saturday, it was like head to head battle, losing tons of money. We were uh, attacking each other, but I wouldn't quit. I was, I was, I was I actually moved my family to Asia in order to get to Asia first before Tough Mudder. And, uh, <laughs> the definition of relentless. Yeah, so we lived in Asia for a while. We we became very very big in Asia. We're, we're big today, China. Is, is one of our largest markets, if not the largest, and uh, even right now. And um, ultimately, Tough Mudder had some financial problems, so we bought them pre-pandemic. So now they're both under one roof, which makes it a lot easier. 
because um, we're not killing ourselves. Yeah. So you're the last man standing. We are the last man standing. Of course you are. I don't think anyone would bet against you. So if you go to do some more races, would you incorporate their name and stuff? Because they already had a built-in audience or it's done. It's just everything Spartan. No, I, I kept the. I have not. I still have not done a Tough Mudder event. I, I, perp, I we, that, that brand has a CEO under us and I purposely uh, fight with him still. Um, I don't, don't want to lose the, um, the edge that we had fighting with each other. So, um, he runs that business. We run our business and, um, you know, I'm not changing, I'm not changing a thing. They, they, they were very formidable competitor. I mean, they, they were tough and I don't want to lose that. That's valuable to the audience, right? You don't want to lose that edge because that rivalry brought out the best of you and pushed you to another level. Is that accurate? That's right. Like if you and I, if I went to the gym this morning alone and I worked out, I would go to level one. As soon as you show up subconsciously, I go to level five, you go to level five. You know, a third person shows up, we go to level seven because we're all. And so I want to keep us on our toes, us and Tough Mudder. You're out of your mind in the best way possible. I love it. You're a polarizing figure. I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of opinions about you. You're one of my favorite people because I agree with your mentality and everything that you preach and really what you just want to accomplish, which is help people have an outlet to transform into the best version of themselves. A lot of people are complacent. They don't want to make those changes. Why is that? Well, the human brain, um, the number one motivator for the brain is the avoidance of discomfort. So uh, that's what kept us alive on the planet as long as it has. We don't fall off a cliff. We don't freeze out in the cold. We avoid discomfort to keep us alive. And that's antiquated. We don't need that anymore. We're in living rooms now. We got Netflix, right? There's not a lion at our bed when we wake up in the morning. So uh, we need to actually be uncomfortable to grow, to become anti-fragile. We are learning helplessness in this in this current state, certainly in the first world. So, um, you got to get out there and push. Yeah. Alive, to grow, to be better. I don't know if I answered the question, but, but no, I get it brother. And, and also it, it's funny. Like you can never connect the dots looking forward. It's always looking backwards. Like what a ride, what a journey. And obviously your best is yet to come, but are you surprised now looking back that you gravitated right away to these crazy obstacle races and so forth, or kind of fits your personality? It fits where I, where I grew up. I think I like, you ever see the, I don't know if you ever saw the show Ray Donovan, but every, <laughs> every episode of Ray Donovan, like there's some shit he's got to deal with. And so everyone, Everyone and somehow he just rolls with it. Whether it's a, I mean, metaphorically, it's a rope climb, a wall climb, a fire jump. Uh, it's basically the obstacles we put in front of you, and um, that's what it was like in the neighborhood. Like shit happening all day, every day. And if you're in the construction business, which I was, same thing. Everything that can go wrong does go wrong. And so, for me, it really was like a healthier, safer day in the life of or, you know it was it was it, it really just emulates life and it's fun you don't have to actually miss payroll um to get you know to get that 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 drive that action right you know because we we guys like you and me i seek um i seek challenge i seek like it makes me feel good i'm sure firefighters feel that way police officers feel that way folks that enlist in the military and and um they, they go into danger 
And so isn't it awesome to go into danger and not be enlisted for six years, right? So we're not having to do 25 years in jail. I know what you're thinking. You're asking yourself, how's this guy's hair on such fire? How is it so nice and thick? I want to tell you about the hottest hair styling product line. The brand is called Ryan Scott. I've been using this styling cream and shampoo and conditioner for about a year now, and I can tell you it's absolutely on fire. There's a few things that set it apart from the competition. Number one, the smell is amazing. It's a fresh fragrance of aloe, cucumber, and grapefruit. When I'm working out or on a run, the product doesn't irritate me. In fact, it's invigorating. These products can take you from the bench to the boardroom. Ryan Scott, the founder, is a dear friend of mine, and we're offering exclusively the CLS Universe a special promo. Enter code CLS. Thank me later. You speak it to my soul, brother, because when I started the marathons, for me, it was all mental because, like you said, I, I would have basically like an arena to be a gladiator and beat the shit out of myself and then surprise myself because I actually had more than I realized I was capable for. And then obviously I became obsessed with it. And now when I do other things in life, like start business, whatever the case would be, I use that as a frame of reference, which is really what, you know, really I gravitated towards from your book. It's an outlet for you to prove to yourself how bad you are and, and how much you are capable of. And for the audience listening, I understand it's not for everyone, but I would suggest you try it at least once and see how you feel afterwards. Yeah. And, and 90% of you will be addicted. It's addictive. Now, you know, if this was 300 years ago, 200 years ago, and we were living on horseback and we were walking in horse shit every day and there was lots of disease around us, I would suggest we get in the couch business and we invent Netflix because life was hard. But it's not it's not like that anymore. It's too easy. The pendulum has swung too far. So get the fuck outside and do something hard. I love it. I love it. Where are you going with the Spartan thing? What's the vision right now? The vision is we are, you know, if you know the company Louis Vuitton, right? LVMH is the stock symbol. They are a house of brands. Uh, I believe they own Tiffany, obviously Louis Vuitton, all these high-end brands. We are a house of brands of tough shit, hard things to do, right? And so um, I just, I just want to be that place that you come to um, to challenge yourself, to look yourself in the mirror, find out what you're made of. That's it. And, and I want 100 million people to start. I want to get 100 million people healthy and see where I can take it from there. Yeah, I love it. And I just want you to know, just man to man, you're making such an impact on the world because even just think like reading your book inspired me to run marathons, which inspired me to start my CLS experience, which is impacting thousands, hopefully millions of lives and so forth. So that's you at the spearhead, just a giant ripple effect. And I appreciate you very much. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I mean, that's how it's got to go, right? I get two people, they get two people, and it just keeps going and going. That's it. What motivated you to write the book? I felt like a lot of people were saying, hey, Joe, this is like a cult, you know? Or this is like church. And I thought, well, you know, there's a Bible. Church. We need a Bible. We need a, a book. And I've been thinking about all these things that are in the book for 20 years anyway. So um, let me just vomit it up. Let me just vomit it up on a piece of paper. And, uh, 
and it worked. The book became a, a big hit. But but if you're out there and you're thinking about writing a book, you don't make any money with books. In the rare in the rare case, you do. But this was um, this was more uh, a way to say, hey, this is not just silly stuff crawling under barbed wire. There's actually some science here. There, there's some there's a reason to do this tough stuff. A method to the madness, so to speak. Method to the madness. Yeah. Was it an easy process once you started vomiting on paper? No, you know, it's never done. I remember a very, very close friend of mine, if not my, one of my best friends, he reads like a book every two days, literally. And so he, you know, hey, read this. Tell me what you think. And uh, I want to change it. And he said, it'll never be done. It's good enough. And uh, I thought that was interesting. It's, it be, you know, the saying came out of that conversation, which is, uh, you know, perfect is the enemy of done. Right? You'll never, if you, if you sit there and try to get perfection, you'll never get done. Yeah. So, so I got the book as close as I could. And, uh, and then let's just get it out there. Let's get the message going. And then look, you read it and you're running. The rest is history. I love it. I heard you say recently that you just want to do all the, the cool shit on the obstacles and, and grab a Dorito out of someone's mouth and get them on the course and help them change your life and so forth. You're not as interested, obviously, in the business aspect from the CEO stuff. How do you wear so many hats? How do you do all of these things? Fucking hard, man. It's a lot of, it's a lot of things. I really wish, I say this not even half joking, I really wish the Department of Defense would just pay us to do this because... Um, because we need it. This country certainly needs it. All the countries need it. Um, but to have to try to figure out how to make it work economically and make enough money, it's, it's hard. It's hard. People don't pay enough for what we provide, right? Think about my team. Our team has to go on the side of a mountain in a hailstorm and build a course over 13 miles. There's animals. There's poison ivy. There's a hailstorm. Everything that can, Right. Uh, and then you come out and pay a hundred bucks to run that thing, and I got to manage six thousand people throughout. You know, and then lightning strikes. Like very, very hard to make money. But I'm not. I'm not playing the world's smallest violin. I love it, but it, I think I could do more good in the world if we got somebody like Department of Defense or my buddy at Unilever. If you're listening, the CEO of Unilever, Alan Jope. If somebody big should just you hear that, Alan? Right. Hey. And my other buddy owns Saks Fifth Avenue. My buddy that owns Saks Fifth Avenue, by the way, he's awesome. He, you're not going to even believe this. He knew I was going through a really tough time, like we all were with this pandemic, trying to make uh, make it work. I had a layoff. How many hundred people? Anyway, I open up a, a, a piece of mail. My wife opens a piece of mail at FedEx, and she goes, oh, my God, you got to look at this. And I thought it was like, from an angry customer or something. I can't believe you canceled the races during COVID. What are you, a pussy? <laughs> I open it up. There's a million dollar check in the FedEx from my friend that owns Saks Fifth Avenue. He said, listen, he said, I had a really good week. I love what you're doing. You're changing the world. I hope I didn't insult you. Keep this. Use it if you need it. Keep it in the drawer, whatever. So, well, I mean, who? how does that ever happen? You've never heard a story like that. I can't even believe it happened. So we're obviously doing some good, but a million is not enough. <laughs> I need any more. I understand. That's a good friend right there. You're a connected cat. That's a good friend. Yeah, that is. Another thing that I heard you say that really stuck out to me in the book, like 
you don't want to get to the end of life like in good shape, like all clean, like not used, like a car out of the dealership. You want to get there, like beat the shit out of like what a ride, so to speak. And so many people are just coasting as if they're going to live twice. Yeah. Wild. You're probably not old enough to remember video games where you had to put the quarter in. Right. But if you died, you put another quarter in. I remember my friend and I at college saying, you don't get to put another quarter in this one. You know? Like you better, you better make this one count. Hundred percent. You're very optimistic, so am I, to to an extent that it probably even rubs people the wrong way. There's, there's zero good that comes from having a pessimistic attitude. Do you believe in like the law of attraction and stuff like that? I I believe that um, if you can fake it, and smile and give energy to other people the universe will just open up for you. Who the fuck wants to be around a curmudgeon, somebody that's miserable, somebody that sucks energy from, you don't want to be around that. I want to be around the, think about it. That's why there's that great saying, right? I want that guy, that girl in the foxhole with me when shit's going down. And uh, so you want to be that person. Like everybody would love me on Wall Street because I had this saying, no problem. Like, oh my God, I'm down $20,000. Yeah, no problem. I got it. Right. I don't know how I got it. <laughs> I don't know what I got to do to fix it, but no problem. Calm down. I'll deal with it. You Love know, it. couldn't agree That's more. Yeah. The worst thing in the world to me is negative energy. I want nothing to do with it. And as I continue to develop myself and stuff, I, I listen, I, you have to sever relationships. Unfortunately, people that just like try to bring you down or, or maybe they don't even try. That's just their personality. I just want nothing. No part of it. With you. I got to ask you, what's the craziest story personally that you dealt with with one of these wild obstacle courses? I was in, I was in Alaska. I was in Alaska. It was uh, 30 below. It was the, I did a rod, you know, the dog sled race, but we didn't have the dogs and um, massive snowstorm. A couple of people uh, nearly dead and uh, self-supported and it sucked. I was freezing. And I wanted food. I want to sleep. Came upon a few Eskimos. I, I, I was funny. I'm saying it to you now. I wonder if it was a hallucination, but I think I went in an igloo. And um, the igloo might as well have been the Four Seasons. It was about, <laughs> I mean, it was, right? You're out there in the middle of nowhere as an igloo. Tiny little igloo. Anyway, that was, that was crazy. Made it to the finish line. Almost lost my buddy. And uh, I had to tie him to me. I literally drag him 50, 50 miles. My buddy Ben. Crazy. I love it. What was that your obstacle course or someone else's? Uh, somebody else. That was some, that was somebody put that on years ago. That was before, before Spartan. Our, our, our craziest story and all the obstacles we put on. I imagine it was a death race. Well, death race is crazy, but. We had a, an obstacle. We have an obstacle called a tire flip. It's pretty self-explanatory. You flip the tire. And uh, my course designer put the tire flip up on a hill. And apparently somebody was flipping the tire and the tire started rolling. And down below, you got six, 7,000 people running. And it just so happened that a guy had a GoPro on. And this fucking 300-pound tire comes rolling down this hill. This guy catches it on a GoPro, hits a rock, 
and it flies over the whole crowd nearly would it would have killed somebody and the video gets out and i just hired a new social media team young kids and i'm like oh my god this is gonna this is a disaster for us and he says nope we're gonna turn it around and he names the tire ted the tire (laughs) and he says the tire got tired of flipping and wanted to go run the race and he gets it on good morning america but it was uh that was a near miss when you're playing with obstacles and you know 1.5 million people a year shit happens Ted the tire. That's a nice reframe right there. Got tired of flipping. Got tired of flipping. I'm very selective and strict when using any types of products, period. However, the CLS experience is all about elevating your state and getting the mind right as it is our biggest asset in life. Something I've incorporated into my life is CBD, specifically sweat CBD. Just like this podcast, sweat CBD is all about enhancing your state designed to optimize your physical and mental well-being. I personally love their products, specifically the oil and the gummies. I've tried a few different CBD brands and products, and to me, this is the most natural feeling. I love their products and what the brand stands for. The founder of Sweat CBD is a dear friend of mine, and she's offering the entire audience, all the listeners, CLS family and universe, a special promo code. Enter CLSCBD at SweatCBD.com. Enjoy. I love you all. I love that. And I just want to jump backwards for a second because it's important for the audience to hear this part. You were in a very serious accident back in the day and the doctors weren't that optimistic about your future in regards to athleticism, right? Yeah, they, they, I was in a, an accident. I went out the window of the car. My friend fell asleep. We went, I went out the window 85 miles an hour. My leg was ripped out of my hip. Uh, they broke my hip to put my, my femur head back in the hip socket and um, went to a bunch of doctors and all the doctors, oh, you're not going to run again. You're barely going to walk. You're going to need crutches, a cane. And I just kept going to new doctors in New York until I got to hospital for special surgery. My, my buddy, Dr. Sue, he, uh, he said, listen, he said, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but here's a protocol we could do. You know, you're going to do a bunch of Pilates. You're going to do swimming, blah, blah, blah. And I became a maniac to get myself healthy. And this happens a lot with athletes. And, um, and I recovered. I'm, I'm 98% recovered. And, but it didn't have to be that way. I could have I literally uh, ended up, you know, lethargic and immobile because that's what the doctors told me I had to be. But I found, and what I found doesn't always happen, but I, but I found a way. You know, there's always a, a third door, right? You go through this door, go through that door. Maybe there's a third door. 100%. As long as you never surrender. There's always a decision, always a choice. Always a choice. Yeah. I got to ask you, brother, who are some people over the years, people always ask me, I'd love to hear your perspective, and you're one of them for me. Who are some people beers that inspire you, that you sharpen the axe for, they get you excited and jumped up? Well, I mean, some 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 ancient folks, um, I, um, uh, Ernest Shackleton, so Ernest Shackleton, great explorer out of England. Um, Amelia Earhart, right, uh, pilot. Uh, my mom, obviously, I got a couple of mentors. Uh, my buddy Al in Ithaca, my buddy Marty in New Jersey. Uh, they're both in their 80s. Obviously, my father. And then, and, you know, there's a couple, there's still a couple of crime bosses, believe it or not, that are still alive. I know that sounds terrible that I would 
there's one in particular that was uh yeah was an amazing guy so i appreciate the vulnerability yeah. i gotta sign up for a spartan race um, let's go i'll sign you and your whole audience up whenever you're ready i would love that which one do you suggest well you're in new york so we must we i got something in new york pretty soon i would imagine so um you email me afterwards anybody okay. could Joe at Spartan.com. Just keep it very brief, like one sentence. Yeah. And uh, I'll get you signed up. And for the audience listening, we have 100,000 strong now. Let us know that you heard the conversation, that you're going to sign up for a Spartan race, and then tag Joe in that post and let him know which one you signed up for. Awesome. You dig? Yeah, man. We'll leave it off with this, Joe. Just for the audience, what, in your opinion, is the most important trait to push through adversity? You know, it could be, it could be gratitude, believe it or not, because if you're grateful, I said to my son the other day, he's having a, my older one, you, you, you met my younger boy and he's having a, a moment with wrestling where, you know, we train fucking hard, hard, and then you lose and then you train hard and then you lose. And so he's having a moment. And, and I said to him, I said, you know, you get to do this, you get to do this. This kid's without legs, without arms, they don't get to wrestle. It's a fucking privilege. So if you if you approach things that way and you appreciate, like, I get to shovel sand today. I get to fix the roof. I get to go to work. Right? I get to be in this hot building without air conditioner. Um, if you appreciate things, around, it's easy to get through with them. 100%. Right? Like, I say that all the time to my clients. Like, you don't have to go to the gym today. You get to go to the gym today. And, and it changes your perspective on everything. I love that you said that. Yeah. Where can the audience, I know they're already obsessed with you. Where can they find you? Where can they support you? Where can they catch up with you? Where do you hang out the most? I, I don't, I, I, you know, I'm not a super social media guy, but I got somebody that does it all for me and they make me do videos and stuff on, on Instagram, I think is, I think it's at real Joe DeSena and uh, email. I'm old fashioned, man. Old, believe it or not, email now is old fashioned. That's how modernized this world is. It used to be a, a feather pen and a piece of paper. I understand. When was the last time you ran a marathon? Were those too soft for you? Last year, I ran 120K in the mountains of Australia. Um, I don't know when the last time I ran 25 miles. Uh, no, nothing organized. My last race is probably last year. Probably last year. But I got, I got something coming up June 25th. I'll be in uh, Cortina, Italy. At a hundred miler, um, Ravarito. A hundred miler? Miler in the mountains of Italy. That's unbelievable. Do you have a goal for that, or just beat the shit out of yourself a little bit and survive? Just be alive at the at the end. I just don't, I don't want to be dead. Yeah. And, just, and not only will you be alive, but you'll you'll be alive, not just existing. All right. I love it. I appreciate you so much, brother. I just want to say, you don't shy away from your challenges as they've shaped you. It's something I find very relatable and liberating. You are the definition of resilience, grit, heart from your entrepreneurial journey and started when you were cleaning pools to creating the largest, toughest, and most respected obstacle racing company on the planet. Your mindset is absolutely bulletproof. You've inspired millions including yours truly. So thank you, brother. I can personally guarantee your best is yet to come. You're someone I admire, I appreciate, and I respect very much. And this will absolutely not be the last time that you and I collaborate, Joe. I'm so psyched that you reached out to me, and I'm so psyched that the book changed you. You're awesome. I appreciate you so much, buddy. Thanks, pal. Thank you. you. 
please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow me on Instagram at Craig Siegel underscore CLS, the YouTube channel Craig Siegel, and our website CultivateLastingSymphony.com where you can sign up for our email blast with all free trainings on all of our content. The best is yet to come. 